0: Before we get into another episode of the Jude Three Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to jude3project at P.O. Box Two Six Two Zero Six. Jacksonville, Florida 32226 Thanks again Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast Enjoy
1: Hello, welcome to the Jude 3 Project podcast I'm your host Lisa Fields I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project watching another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project, and today I'm joined with a very special guest, um, Jimmy Butts. Welcome, Jimmy.
2: Thanks for having me, Lisa. Good to be here.
1: Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Before we get started, let our audience know a little bit about you.
2: Uh, As stated, my name is Jimmy Butts. I am a pastor at Forest Baptist Church here in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also a MDiv student at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, focusing on Islamic studies. And so, uh, my passion uh, is particularly about African American uh, Islam. Um, So, my research interest deals more so with Malcolm X uh, and his life and his ministry. And so, uh, I have a wife. Her name is Brittany, and we just have. Uh, our first-born daughter, her name is Sayla Grace, and so we are proud parents of her. Uh, she keeps us up late at night singing her Wan uh, wanwa song, but uh, we're still grateful for her, though, so, yes.
1: Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Um, so today we're going to be talking from the topic, Is the Black Man God? And this is something that's circulating online. Uh, before there was uh, social media, this, also, this idea was circulating, and you recently uh, wrote an article um, in response to Dr. Muhammad, I believe. Um, is that, That's his name, right?
2: Yeah, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, that's correct.
1: Um, in response to his, uh, his thoughts on this topic. Um, for our audience who are new to this topic, kind of give an overview of what Dr. Muhammad's claims are, and um, then we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, So uh, Dr. Muhammad, uh, he uh, positions himself as a person who is giving a academic vindication to Elijah Muhammad. Um, And maybe we'll get further into this uh, as we go on. But one of the the central claims that Elijah Muhammad, uh, who is the uh, messenger of the nation of Islam, uh, has taught was that the black man was God. And so uh, one of the ways that uh, doctor Wesley Hamid seeks to prove this assertion is uh, through his knowledge of the Bible. And so uh, he will go to passages, for example, uh, in the Old Testament that speaks about, uh, like in Genesis 1, where it speaks about uh, God breathing into Adam's body, the life spirit. And so he takes that as God embodying into uh, the body of Adam. So now Adam is uh, the incarnation of that black God. Uh, he also uses his uh, knowledge of physics and seeks to argue that uh, energy and, and spirit are the same thing. And he argues that uh, matter is developed by the, the movement of energy. And this energy coalesce and it becomes, uh, matter. And therefore, uh, like, for example, when you see in Genesis one, where it says that the spirit of God moved over the, the waters, he, he argues that that is that energy going in motion, which, uh, calls, you know, this coalescing of, of matter. And God self created himself into the black God. Um, uh, but then he also uses biblical uh, statements in the Bible that speaks like anthropomorphically. Uh, so, for example, when the Bible says that, you know, uh, that the mighty hand of the Lord delivered you out of Egypt and things like that, that, that gives human uh, characteristics to God. He uses that as a verification of his claims as well. So, yes. Mm-hmm
1: how do you respond to Dr. Muhammad's, um, to his claims?
2: Uh, so, uh, in one way, uh, me, I'm a Christian. And so obviously my chief authority is the Bible. Uh, but one of the things that I try, I seek to do to, to go within his own logic of his argument is he claims that this is a Afro centered or African centric, uh, idea or ideology. And so, uh, I challenge that claim and I demonstrate, uh, through, through like African traditional religions, uh, and things of that nature. And even African American religious thought, this idea that there is a distinction between God and man is prevalent in both of those traditions. Uh, and so to claim that, you know, the black man is God is something that is, uh, inherent within african thought uh you know i i, I challenge that thesis uh, also i go into the idea that uh because as i said the anthropomorphisms that he claims that are in the bible uh i argue that there is a hermeneutical uh justification for the reason why we oftentimes use human uh, characteristics in order to describe God a God being totally outside of our ability to uh, uh, represent with, with with the things that are, are would be uh, giving honor to him uh, we have to use we have to use the language that we have so we have to speak in ways that uh, in analogy and so for example the Bible speaks of God as father uh, it, it, that doesn't mean that he necessarily, like, he birthed us uh, literally as we think of, but as a way to uh, give us an understanding of who God is, the Bible will refer to Him as Father. And so, uh, I use, uh, you know, Jewish hermeneutical assumptions that we find uh, in Jewish literature, uh, as well as the Christian uh, hermeneutical history history of how Christians have historically interacted with the anthropomorphic language in the Bible. And so that that's where, you know, the heart of my argument and response to him lies. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Where does
1: Jesus fit into all of this Uh, in, in, in Dr. Muhammad's mind?
2: Uh, well, so he will use so for So to, validate his argument even more he will say something to the effect of well uh, what he is saying should not uh be opposed by christians because we already believe that jesus is god himself uh but the problem with that logic is that when we're when we're talking about the nature of god we're not talking about so so when we think about jesus jesus is jesus became a man he's not a man ontologically, or he's not a man within his essence. So uh, God, the son, uh, who lived in eternity past, uh, took on flesh. And so when we say that Jesus is a man, we're not speaking of his essence as being a man, but that he took on manhood. So that would that would still not validate his arguments, at least the way that he's trying to use them.
1: Mm-hmm. Do they use the uh, Psalms passage um, to validate, I believe, it's Psalms 82?
2: Yes, yes. That's one of the favorite passages of people, you know, within the nation of Islam and other movements that, you know, it says, "Ye are gods. Uh, but um, when we look at the Jewish understanding of that text, uh, we see that that they understood that as, as, as God being used as someone who was in a position to rule over them. Uh, so we even see this even with Moses, uh, when the Lord is speaking with Moses and his brother, Aaron, Aaron. he tells him that, he will be like God, God. To Aaron, Aaron, and Aaron will speak to the people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Moses was God. It just means that, uh, Moses was the mouthpiece of God to the people of Israel, and so uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean we even see Jesus cite this uh, in the New Testament as well. So as a, as a reference to uh, you know that that same passage. So yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and I think that's helpful for people to understand that that passage in Psalms is speaking of rulers, uh, because I do see that circulating a lot um, in in regards to people using that as they are gods it even has uh, crept into some of like word of faith movements when Ah, the inspiration of speaking things into existence um comes (laughs) from the quote-unquote god-likeness of humanity um yeah and so i think it's important that we understand what that passage is really saying so we won't try to create things that are not there
2: absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think um it boils down to your hermeneutical approach to scripture. Uh mm-hmm. as I read many of his books, he's he's written many books. He he uh he's he's definitely a very intelligent man. Uh so I don't want to uh you know try to portray anything else, but uh as I read some of his books, uh he takes certain passages of scripture that if you isolate them it can seem as if that's what it's saying, or, or, or it, it would seem that it would be consistent with his thesis. But the problem is, is that when we interpret scripture, we have to recognize that the scripture, the verses are, are part of a whole body of biblical literature. And so we have to ask ourselves, how, how is this consistent with other parts of the revelation of God as well? And so, uh, you know, you know, even if we look at the people's reaction to Jesus in the New Testament, when he made statements that uh, identified himself as God. Uh, So, for example, when he says that he has the ability to forgive sin. uh, The religious scholars at that time understood what that meant and the implications of that. And so they said that he was blasphemous because no one can forgive sin but God. Mm -hmm. and So see even within there latent within the text of scripture, this idea that this Jewish uh, understanding that man and God is is very distinct. Mm -hmm. God is is transcended to his creation um, rather than being, uh, you know, one with his creation. So, yeah. When we
1: think about a lot of the um, tensions we're seeing as it relates to black cults, a lot of them, the uh, tensions and um, their claims come down to um, hermeneutics, the issues of how to interpret scripture. When you look at Hebrew Israelites and how they interpret the Old Testament, and when you yep. look at, you know, uh, like he's talking about Dr. Muhammad, it all boils down to scripture and interpretation and making sure you're not taking things out of context and not looking at texts. In isolation like you like you like you said
2: absolutely
1: yeah because that's gonna have a big big effect on how you how you interpret things and especially if you have a bias looking into the text because of the external realities that are going on in our country that plays a big part in it how have you seen those things play a part in in dr. Uh, Muhammad's interpretation of the text
2: yeah. Um, when, when we look at, you know, the the conditions that our country, uh, is currently the, the condition that our country is currently in and, uh, some of the things that we have seen historically, uh, you can understand this desire to, uh, bring some type of dignity to a cast down people. Uh, and so, um, you know, this, this movement of the Nation of Islam began on the heels of uh, this, uh, Jim Crow being established uh, in this country. And so, so the slaves have been set free. And, you know, then we have this time of reconstruction uh, where you see some you know, relative uh, advancements in, in African-American community. Uh, but then when, you know, they took the troops out of the South, uh, then we have this, this terrorism uh, of those who uh, formerly owned this particular group of people. Uh, so you get groups like the Ku Klux Klan coming and, and, and things like that. And so the Nation of Islam comes in, uh, you know, so first, well, first you see the uh, Marcus Garvey and his movement. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you see the Moorish Science Temple, which would be uh, the first uh, uh, expression of Islam, the rebirth of Islam within uh, an African-American community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have the Nation of Islam come uh, after that. And so we see this continual grasp for uh, some type of dignity that the community that we live in as far as the American community, the culture that we live in uh, has denied us. And so uh, this idea that the black man is God was used in my view as a psychological uh, bomb to the spirit of a downcast people. And so uh, I don't think, I, I would think Wesley Muhammad, he would probably disagree with that assessment uh, actually, I'm pretty sure he would. He would just say that you know the teaching that the black man is God is, is is true. It's not you know just simply a bomb, um. But we we see that that this was was very important to him because that's one of the key aspects of his all of his books in some type of way are seeking to verify that one essential truth of the nation of Islam. And so it's very mm-hmm. important to him. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, before we go, I think for
1: somebody who hasn't really had interaction with the Nation of Islam and they're hearing this episode, they're wondering, OK, what is the general premise of the Nation of Islam? What are their pillars? Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, um, you know, traditional um, Islam. It's it's very different. Um, could you give our, our listeners just who are listening and are intrigued by this and say, I've heard of the Nation of Islam. I've seen them on the corner um, with their bow ties and you know okay. selling papers and stuff. But I don't necessarily know what they believe. Um, but they're like, okay, so I don't want them to just take away that they their whole premise is the black man is God because that is uh, that is a core. But there's still other layers to their beliefs what would you give as an overview for just somebody
2: who is is new to understanding this group? Yeah. So uh, essentially uh, around the uh, beginning of the 20th century, a man by the name of Fard Muhammad uh, came on the scene uh, and he was what some say was a a silk peddler uh, who was selling some of his items in the uh, Detroit area, into in the African American community, and uh, he was teaching that you know that the black man was God, and that uh, you know that, that the true religion of African Americans is Islam, and so that's another uh, strong emphasis that they would uh, seek to to position uh, to uh, present to us is that not only is Islam the right religion, uh, Islam is your natural religion. Uh, And they will point to some true statements, even from our history, because uh, scholars uh, argue that somewhere around 15 to uh, 30% of the African slaves that uh, came to the Americas were actually Muslim. Uh, And so uh, what they claim has some grain of, uh, or some ring of truth to it. And so, uh, so number one, Af- um, Islam is the the uh, natural religion of African Americans. Uh, Elijah Muhammad was one of uh, Far Muhammad's first students, who uh, was who became to be his messenger. And so, one of their chief chief authorities. Uh, so, if we're thinking about their authority, is Elijah Muhammad, uh, and one of his main texts. One of his main writings that he wrote many of his views in was a book called The Message to the Black Man by Elijah Muhammad. Uh, they also used the Bible and the Quran, uh, you know, to, to some people's uh, surprise. They, they use the Bible and oftentimes they quote the Bible uh, more than, you know, you would assume. Uh, if you listen to any of Farrakhan's uh, speeches, you will hear him quoting from the Bible and the Quran interchangeably. Uh, but the but the fact of the matter is, it's it's based on the interpretation that Elijah Muhammad has given, and so he's still the ultimate arbiter of truth, even when it comes to the Bible and the Quran. Uh, so uh, they also believe that the white man is the devil, uh, and they believe that he was grafted from a man by the name or by a man by the name of yakub who supposedly was a black god who through a series of birth control uh practices was able to isolate a gene within the black man in order to uh create a lower self of the black man which is the white man uh, and so, the, the, so so the very nature of the man is righteousness uh, and the very nature of the white man is evil. And the only reason why we see the problems, so this will be their argument. The only reason why we see the problems that we do in the black community now is because our knowledge of self has been removed from us. So we don't know who we really are. So and now we look into soteriology the need would be uh, for us to be saved is to, to get knowledge of self to recognize that the black man is God and that the white man is the devil. Uh, and from that, you know, they have a series of other, uh, you know, uh, practices, uh, and, and a whole form of ethics and things like, so they don't eat pork similar to traditional Muslims. And, and so, uh, yeah yeah
1: yeah i think that was a good good overview for for those who who have no no real understanding of what uh those in the the nation believe and it's to and i think it's important that um i think that we understand that sometimes as you were saying like a lot of this is burst out of oppression and uh i heard Shobaraka said something something a while ago that stuck with me we shouldn't fight um oppression with oppression or no, we shouldn't Mm fight supremacy with supremacy. And so Uh, this idea of we think because oppression has, we have experienced oppression and we have experienced people saying we're less than the response sometimes is to say, well, they're less than, but the gospel says, Mm -hmm. no, we're all equal. Um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, we can't take on their tactics as a response to it. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's so very important. What would you want to leave with our listeners on this topic as, as it relates to um, Dr. Muhammad's claims and your thoughts on that that we haven't already covered?
2: Uh, yeah, so uh, sure. just, um, going off of what you had just said, uh, it made me think of a critique that James Baldwin, even presented uh, in his uh, The Fire Next Time uh, book uh, or essay uh, speaking about the nation of Islam and he he's, he stated that uh, you know, we, we can't rely on a false uh, story to soothe our conscience uh, in essence. like like We, we like, can't, uh, because we have important oppression, does it doesn't mean border that, border that we have to border grab border hold border of uh, Uh, imaginary Uh, imaginary history Uh because in, in my view that's kind of that has a white supremacist assumption as well because if because we're saying that we're not we don't uh accept true african history uh but we have to make up our own history so 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 it's like we're assuming that it is less than like the culture has told us uh, and so now we have to make up our own history. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, to your question, though, um, one of the things that I would like to leave with the people is that we we have to be mindful of what is going on in the culture and what is uh, disseminating uh, or what is being uh, you know presented to our people. Uh, and when you have a gentleman like uh, Wesley Muhammad, who because of his academic background, he has a PhD, uh, you know, from the University of Michigan, uh, that gives a, a, a sense of credence or, or validation to some of his claims. And so for that reason, I think we have to be, as Christians, ready to respond to some of his claims. Uh, I, I oftentimes think of, you know, uh, with David and Goliath. Uh, when David ran out to the the field, he heard Goliath speaking these claims and, and, and criticizing his God and, and saying that, you know, uh, God, God is nothing or, or just making some some disrespectful claims about the God of Israel. And David, being one who loved, who uh, God said was a man after his own heart, when he heard God's name being defamed, he said, who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine that is uh, Blaspheming the name of of God And so I think um, as as believers We have to have that same type of Zeal For God's honor That when we see people who are uh, Making claims About the Christian gospel that are Contrary to scripture uh, We have to be willing to step up And say well if no one else is going To go out there I'm going to go and defend the name of the Lord, and so that that would be my what I would want to leave with people that we have to be we we have to be ready to give an answer we have to be ready' mm-hmm. these things are going on in our communities mhm i agree I agree uh what books would you recommend that
1: our 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 listeners or people that are watching read if they want to kind of brush up on this topic or be ready to give an answer um uh, for for this
2: yeah, so uh actually brought three I got three books. So for a I don't know if you can see this, but for a scholarly uh understanding of this this Islam in general and the nation of Islam as well, uh there's a book by the name of Islam and African American Experience by Richard Brent Turner. That will give a great uh you know overview of you know the movement of Islam within the African American uh, community. Uh, for an apologetic uh, text, uh, one of the few that is out there, it is called uh, The Nation of Islam Understanding the Black Muslims by Stephen, and I'm going to, I can't pronounce his last name, but I'll say Salukles, <laughs> I guess, something like that, but uh, it's called uh, The Nation of Islam Understanding the Black Muslims, and this is one of the few books that actually give an apologetic critique to them uh, and lastly um a book by uh carl ellis and this will it's called saving our sons confronting the lure of islam with truth faith and courage and uh carl ellis he gives a great uh, sociological look at these groups and, and why we should be willing to engage with them from evangelistic approach as well so those would be three books uh, that I would recommend, you know, for all areas of, of uh, interest and in whether it be just academic interest, uh, apologetic interests, or sociological interests. So awesome.
1: those are good. How
2: can people get in contact with them? Uh, so I'm on Twitter uh, at J. Uh I mean, if you want to send me an email, you can send an email um, uh, at J. Butch at yahoo.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. I really, really
1: appreciate it. And I think it was very helpful.
2: Thank you for having me pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew three project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune in to all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher,